Word to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is found on page uh, 710 of the Pew Bible. Psalm 119, we're looking at the last part of this psalm. It's verses 169 to 176. For the psalm of the month, for the last number of months, we've been looking at this psalm, Psalm 119. And so the month of January, we'll finish uh, this psalm. And this psalm, you'll find, comes to a surprising end. So Psalm 119, verse 169. Listen, this is God's word. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips shall utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue shall speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. Let your hand become my help, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise you, and let your judgments help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Amen. May God bless us the reading of his word. Well, one of my favorite Disney movies as a child is that of the animated version of Robin Hood. And in that film, there is a song performed by the rooster that goes, every town has its ups and downs, sometimes ups outnumber the downs, but not in Nottingham. Per Nottingham, it was under suffering due to the tyrant of a sheriff who was diligent in collecting taxes from the poor for evil King John. And maybe you're feeling the same as Nottingham in your Christian life. The downs are outnumbering the ups, and you've grown discouraged. Well, our final section of Psalm 119 is an encouragement because it helps us see the reality of the Christian life and that discouragements are a frequent part of the Christian walk. And I've titled my sermon this evening, The Humdrum of the Christian Life. And I don't mean by that that the Christian life is boring, but rather that it's not always a mountaintop experience that we long for. In the last section of Psalm 119 that we considered back in November, Christopher Ashe describes it as the noonday of Psalm 119. Now, remember earlier there was a section that he described as the midnight of Psalm 119. And so, over the course of the psalm, we have moved from darkness to light, from despair to hope. We're enjoying this crescendo, this mountaintop experience. And then we have the verses this evening, verses 169 to 176 where we're brought down to earth again. What is going on? Why is David the psalmist not staying up on the mountain? Well, no one can stay up on the mountain. We all come back down to earth eventually. Life happens. Distractions occur. Disappointments come on us. Sin takes us away. 
And this dose of reality that the humdrum of the Christian life is the norm is helpful. We can delude ourselves to think that the Christian walk should always be this ecstasy moment. And when we don't experience it, we either fall into despair or we deny reality and we pretend. We wear a mask and we put on a show that everything is okay. But inside us, it's far from okay. That doesn't help you and it doesn't help others either when we do this. And so as we come into another year, yes, I hope you do have many mountaintop experiences in 2024, but I also want you to prepare to be prepared when you're not at the top of that mountain, when the discouragements of life come upon you, when you battle sin and you sometimes fall into sin, when you're experiencing hardship and oppression, when you are down in the valley. And so I want you to notice that in the hardness, in the hard reality of life, Christ, he continues to deliver you by his word. And so you are to respond with prayer and with praise, for he is your salvation. And so children, I encourage you to draw a picture this evening, draw a picture of yourself as a sheep, and remember Christ is the one who seeks you and finds you. So firstly, cry out to Christ for daily deliverance. So Psalm 119 is an incredible psalm. There are 22 sections in the psalm, 22 reflecting the number of letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And then within each section, there are eight verses. And each of these verses begin with a word that begins with the first letter of that Hebrew, of that Hebrew letter. The word begins with that Hebrew letter. And so while David, who's believed to be the psalmist here, he's clearly intelligent in his use of Hebrew and poetry, but we've noticed that he's also very open about his faith in God. And so the psalm is filled with the struggles of the Christian life, ending with victory. And so the psalm is not light, it's not superficial, it's theologically, it is deep. David is learning lessons from God's Word. He's maturing. He's growing in his faith. But David, we see here, is crying out again to the Lord. Now, maybe you're thinking, no, I am done with David crying. He's been rescued. He's been saved. There's no need to cry. He's enjoying this mountaintop. There's no need for these desperate prayers. And isn't that what we ignorantly believe the Christian life should be like? On the line graph, we believe it should be this straight, diagonal uh, trajectory where over time we're constantly growing. But the reality is much different. The line is up, then it's down, then it's up again, and down again. And so David is not that different from you and me, except that he is not in denial. And our denial of the reality of the Christian life can be dangerous. For when we do get discouraged, we don't know how to handle it. Yes, as believers you are saved, but that does not mean that you do not have to battle sin in your life. And that's why you depend on Christ for your daily deliverance. And just notice what David asked for in this psalm. Verse 170, he asked for deliverance. 173, he asked for help. 
Verse 174, he longs for Christ's salvation. Verse 175, he asks, let my soul live. Verse 176, he admits that he has gone astray. David admits that he continues to struggle with sin. Too often we pretend we don't sin. I do that. I put on a mask and pretend how holy I am. The reality is I am struggling with sin, sin that I need deliverance from. And so we need to humble ourselves and join with Paul, who is able to say in 1 Timothy 1, verse 15, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And Paul, speaking in the present tense, he recognizes his ongoing battle with sin. John Newton said, I am a great sinner, but Christ is a great Savior. And so like Paul, like Newton, in humility, you are to recognize your sinfulness, mourn over your sin, cry out to God in repentance, and find your salvation in Him. For He will continue to deliver you from the power that sin has in your life. Then secondly, find strength in the word of Christ. In verse 169, David asks for understanding. Now, David has demonstrated significant understanding of God from Psalm 119 up to this point, and yet he's still asking for more. And so, the more we know of God, the more we realize how little we know of God. And so we must continually pray to God that He would open our eyes to behold Him. Never become proud of your understanding. This can be a dangerous position to be in. Paul criticized the Corinthians for this kind of thinking. Their so-called wisdom was dividing the church. Now humble yourself and seek more understanding. For we see David finds his strength in God's Word. And it's there in God's word that he meets with God. Do good rights. In the Bible, we find out what he is like and meet him for ourselves. We experience the greatness of his love for his undeserving people. We not only learn about God, but we meet up with the God of grace who reveals himself through his pages. It is seeing the loveliness of Jesus that gives us a hunger to live our lives after his pattern. So when we think of the law of God, when we think of commandments and precepts and testimonies, we often think of dry and dusty words that, yes, may be informative, but that's it. But God's word is not like that. God's word is alive. God's word rejuvenates and strengthens he writes his word on our hearts. No wonder David is able to say of God's word that it is a delight. In verse 174, and that's because he is meeting with God. We need his word. We need to be reading his word. Prayer and Bible reading goes together. That's how God relates to you. That is the communication between God and man. And no relationship can survive in silence. When you go for weeks without reading God's Word, to hear from Him, and you're not going to God to pray to Him, well, do not be surprised if you're struggling in the Christian life. 
And so the start of a new year, that's a great time to start reading through God's Word. If you're not in the habit of doing this, well, don't be so ambitious that it becomes impossible. Find a Bible reading plan that works for you, and the result will be that you are frequently brought before God. For only in God's, brought before God, for only in God's Word are you strengthened as you come face to face with Christ. Well, then thirdly, notice, praise God, for He continue, continues to save you. So Christ has saved you as believers, but in a sense, He is continuing to save you. For although you have been saved from the penalty of sin, from the punishment of sin, which is death, you continue to, be, to need to be saved from the power of sin in your life. And Paul writes off this turmoil in his own life in Romans 7, for the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And so there continues to be this inner turmoil, a turmoil that we can all relate to. But remember, we are kept in God's hands. Christ gives you the strength to persevere. That's why the psalmist, that's why David says, let my soul live in verse 175, and it shall praise you, because in Christ there is life. And David describes himself in verse 176 as a lost sheep, a sheep that has gone astray. Isn't this surprising that David ends this psalm, this long, long psalm, with such a downbeat image? But this image is the one that Jesus would take to develop the parable of the lost sheep. And in that parable, Jesus is the good shepherd who searches for his sheep, finds him and brings him home. That is the hope that David has. This is not downbeat. Over and over again, we see Christ, the good shepherd, searching for his people, bringing them home. No wonder Jesus says in Luke 19, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And we see instances throughout the Bible of this. Zacchaeus, when he was up in the sycamore tree, Jesus calls on him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Jesus, when speaking to the woman at the well, tells her that he offers living water that will quench her thirst. Even David himself, when he was approached by Nathan the prophet, he recognized that God was seeking after him by helping him see his sin and so bringing him to repentance. And so when you open God's word, God is seeking you. Don't resist him, but instead praise him. Praise him for him working in your life. And so God continues to save you, taking you from the sin in your life by convicting you and instead bringing you to home to himself because he is gracious. Luther writes this verse, verse 176, is extremely emotional and full of tears. For truly we are all thus going astray, so that we must pray to be visited, sought, and carried over by the most godly shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God, blessed forever. Amen. And then Christopher Ash writes, Without the hand of the good shepherd watching me moment by moment, I will always go astray. If you leave me unwatched for a nanosecond, 
I will leave the path. Now, the other week, there was a news story of a dog who had gone astray, but this dog had managed to find his owners after seven years of being apart. And often when we, we like to think of ourselves like this, in this positive way, that yes, we get lost, we may go astray, but we always find our way back. We always fall feet first. That's not what we are like. That's not reality. Instead, we are like sheep. Sheep do not find their way back. They keep going astray. They keep searching for that next patch of grass. There was another news story from the UK of Britain's loneliest sheep, a sheep that had got stuck at the bottom of a cliff, and it was discovered by kayakers traveling around the coast. And there was no way back for the sheep. It really was stuck. It was at the bottom of this cliff. And it really needed a rescue outside of itself. It needed to be rescued by a boat. And its position was impossible. And this sheep, it looked really mangy. It hadn't been sheared in a couple of years. Well, that's a picture of you and I. We can't find our way back ourselves. We don't even want to find a way back. That's how lost we are when we fall into sin. It's only God in his grace who brings us back. And it's no wonder David responds and prays to God. For only God can do that. He could not. And notice here the praise in verse 171. He describes it as being taught. His lips utter praise because he has been taught. Too often we like to think of praise to be sincere, that it has to be spontaneous. No, you are to see here that praise comes from being taught God's Word. And so God even teaches us how we are to praise Him for His ongoing work of saving us. In my last church, we used the split-leaf psalm book, and so the presenter gets the liberty to pick the tunes. And I remember one of the ladies in the church always getting annoyed with the presenter because when a presenter picked a downbeat tune for the last psalm of the service. She wanted a rousing tune after the preaching of God's Word to praise God with. Well, the preaching of God's Word, the reading of God's Word, it should always lead to heartfelt praise. And that should be true of you after you read God's Word, after you hear the preaching of God's Word. It should lead to you praising God giving thanks to him again and again for his graciousness to you, of how he brings you back to himself. Christopher Ash writes, I'm held by the word of God from a painful present to a glorious future. And that word brings into the present a foretaste of joy, hope, peace, and praise. And the praise is all muddled up with a prayer. I don't know whether to laugh or cry, and I do both at the same time. That is the authentic Christian experience. And so this section of Psalm 119 is not the anticlimax that it maybe first appears to be. No, it is a picture of the reality of your life. Your Christian life will be a mixture of praying, crying out to God, and praising Him for His continual deliverance. So keep looking to Christ. Keep finding Him in, your, in God's Word. And so in the hard reality of life, Christ continues to deliver you by his word. And so you are to respond with praise and prayer, for he is 
your salvation. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we cry out to you, for we do continue to struggle. We struggle with sin. We struggle with discouragement. We struggle when we're oppressed and treated harshly. Life is not easy, and so we thank you that you hear our cries. But we thank you that you deliver us. You feed us with your word. You meet with us, and you encourage us. You seek us out. And so, Lord, help us to be faithful in looking to you. And so, in response to your goodness, that we would respond with praise, praising you for you always deliver us, straying sheep that we are, bringing us back to yourself. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, please turn in your psalm book to the psalm, Psalm 119, uh, Psalm 119W, and this will be our psalm of the month for the month of January. Let's stand and praise God. 